most importantly, you do have to have a desire to serve the public good. Um, it doesn't matter if you're actually working for a health department, like you are a government employee, or you're working for a company like ours who partners with health departments and other large organizations. You are still, you know, in a mission-oriented role and responding to a health crisis, and you have to kind of have the appetite for that. We've heard so much about the importance of contact tracing to help fight the coronavirus. One company recruiting and hiring contact tracers is AM Trace LLC. Trace is a research, informatics, and public health firm that combines expertise in public health, epidemiology, and information communication technology. Amy Benbarka is the chief HR officer at Trace, which is based in Arlington, Virginia, but has open positions nationwide to support COVID-19 mitigation efforts. And even if being a contact tracer isn't right for you, our conversation was fascinating. Let's get started. Amy Benbarka is the Chief Human Resources Officer for AM Trace and is here to give us the scoop on jobs in contact tracing. Hi, Amy. Welcome to Job Talk Weekly. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to sharing information with your audience. Well, let's jump right in because we've been hearing so much about the important role of contact tracing in fighting the coronavirus and the jobs here. So tell us what a contact tracer's job is really like. So great question. Um, Contact tracing as a kind of disease surveillance tool has three basic steps. You reach out to a contact or somebody who has tested positive. You interview and investigate to find out who they may have been in contact with. And then you make sure they're following their uh, quarantine protocols And then finally, you reach out to those contacts and follow up with them. And from there, it's kind of rinse and repeat. So um, different organizations might uh, have different job titles or different sizes of teams doing this work, but the basics of the work is pretty much the same everywhere. And how hard is it to really connect with people? Because I think of sometimes when I get a a phone message or a phone call from someone and I don't recognize the number, I might not pick up. And I think of the abundance of emails we all get. How hard is it for the contact tracers to really make contact with the individuals they're trying to reach? Yeah, so Diana, you're absolutely right. Making that initial contact can be um, one of the most difficult parts of the job, but of course the most important because contact tracing is supposed to stop the spread of an illness. And if we can't make contact, there's no chance of doing that. So we have lots of different methods of trying to track people down and, um, you know, incentivize them to want to get in touch with us. Uh, And then the other thing I would say that we really think is important with AM Trace is it should be a community-based effort. So, you know, we hire typically local individuals, native language speakers, if there's a community where you know, another language is commonly spoken so that people can communicate in the language they're most comfortable with. Even when we get a hold of them, it can sometimes be a difficult conversation, as I'm sure you can imagine. Let's talk a little bit about that, because I can imagine there are a wide range of emotions that the tracers might encounter. Some people might be grateful for the call. Some people might be shocked or they might have a certain reaction. How do you train people to handle those reactions? Great question. So, and and it absolutely is a question of training. Uh, We put people through a ton of training to understand the fundamentals of, of course, COVID, 
uh, response protocols and contact tracing. Um, and then we do a lot of role play on the different scenarios that can happen. Um, we also have escalation protocols. So uh, if somebody is, for example, very, very upset, or if somebody has very, very complicated health uh, conditions going on, um, you know, we can have that addressed by people who have a, more of a medical background to ensure that everybody's getting the care that they need. Um, but for sure, as in any kind of public facing role, um, you, you deal with a wide variety of reactions um, and people have to be prepared for that. Well, and I look at the contact tracer as almost a professional version of a frontline worker. You know, they're not nurses, they're not working in the ERs, but they certainly are in the thick of it with the pandemic. How do we support these people and their mental health? How do we support the employees? So we do psychological mental health training for our own employees that, as you just implied, is focused on them as individuals. Mm. Um, you know, obviously we build breaks into the day and we have a team structure that um, ensures they have somebody to reach out to, whether it's, hey, I'm not sure what to do in this situation or, wow, I just had a really stressful phone call. Um, so it is super important in order for them to be effective that their their mental health um, is you know being addressed as well and and that they're communicating what their needs are um, because it's definitely uh, it's a team effort um, and, and the health of the team itself um, will will drive the outcomes that they're able to achieve. So how do we build that team effort when some of these people have gone through the hiring process virtually, I suppose, and they're all, most of them are working from home, correct? Yes, that's exact. For, for our employees, we have several hundred employees and they all work remotely, uh, which is the most common approach for contact tracing. So yes, it is virtual. Yeah, so let's let's talk about the interview process, and then let's talk about building the team. Because I think if you are new to um, video conferencing, perhaps the virtual interview process could be a little intimidating for folks. Can you walk them through it? Mm -hmm. What to expect so it's less intimidating? So our process is very structured uh, in terms of how our uh, recruiters interact with candidates. Um, and we also looked at it as, as kind of a litmus test, both for us and for the candidate. Um, our interviews are done using the same uh, meeting software, Google Hangouts, that we use for employees. So it's an opportunity to get to know that, an opportunity to figure out um, you know, if the person is going to like this type of interaction or going to be successful at it. Uh, our recruiters send out instructions. Um, and my advice would be prepare in advance, right? Be in a quiet place, test your connection. Um, if you can use Ethernet versus Wi-Fi, that's always better too. Mm. It seems like a little thing, but it can be really important. Um, and you know, be early, right? Don't don't try to join right at you know the start of the interview if you've never used that type of uh, software before, so that you feel relaxed um, and prepared, and, and know that this is going to be something that continues on the job. So think about that if it's something that you're comfortable with. I think that's a really excellent point because you have to be comfortable with that software, not just for the interview process, but that's pretty much what your job is going to be like 40 hours a week, it sounds like. Yes, definitely. So for people like maybe uh, me and you who already had our jobs in January and then we all had to start working from home in March, that's one thing because we already knew our companies, we knew the culture, we knew the pace, we knew what was expected of us. How do you onboard and um, provide orientation for all these new employees, again, when everything is happening remotely? Yes, it, is, it has definitely been a, a challenge for 
us and really anybody who's hired a lot over the past six months, um, we've seen a lot of success hiring in, in cohorts or in groups. So in other words, everybody is starting to get together on a Monday and those people are going to continue to be part of the same team for as long as they're employed by us. Um, that gives them an opportunity to build connections initially, but those are also going to be lasting connections. Um, and, and we do lots of kind of fun team connectivity. For example, we did um, a Halloween costume contest for one of our largest teams, which is over 100 people. And, and they got to see, you know, the the, the costumes that their coworkers were wearing in their homes, though they never see each other. So that type of stuff is really important as much as, you know, technology enables us to do the job. Having that face to face connection every once in a while via, you know, video chat, I think is huge in terms of creating that feeling of connectivity. Um, and then from a from a leadership perspective, it's incumbent on us to just communicate and communicate and communicate. Um, you know, it, it was important before, right, when everybody was yeah. in the same office together. And that was the typical way that people were accustomed to working. But it's so much more important now. Tell us a little bit about the experience that you're looking for, because sometimes when I look for the contact tracers jobs and the job postings, I'll see a variety of experience. Some people say they want uh, social work experience or some type of light medical experience. Others don't. So can you give us a sense of really the types of experience that that you're looking for for a contact tracers job? Our approach with AM Trace is, is we really hire um, kind of the best of the best. We're looking for generally people who do have a public health background for some of our roles, the kind of case investigator who's doing that initial outreach. We want a clinical background. So you don't necessarily have to be a nurse, but you have to have done some type of clinical case management, um, you know, working with people and medical issues, following up, things of that nature, knowing how to take notes. Um, but but for the contact tracing roles themselves, which are a little bit more entry level, it doesn't require medical experience per se. And, and we train people um, on all the, the COVID specific uh, experience and knowledge that they need. So it really depends. You know, the the transferable skills of being able to communicate well and having good emotional intelligence. Those are things that would be needed in a lot of different industries and can transition easily to this type of work. I think of the people um, in my circle who are nurses and doctors, I could not do what they do. Um, so there's got to be a comfort level, I think, that you find for people that they're able to have this type of conversation. How do you determine that in the interview process? So we ask a lot of behavioral questions to understand what prior experiences they may have had um, and then you know, communicate to them these aspects of the job so that they have a realistic job preview and they can decide you know, is this something I'm interested in? Um, for some of our kind of supervisory roles, we have several rounds of interviews. Um, and, and again, the benefit is on both sides. We want to make sure we're giving them as much information as we can about the opportunity um, so that they understand what it is. And we want to get to know as much about them as possible. But I think just the, asking the scenario-based behavioral questions um, and, and getting people to reflect on what they've done in the past that could be relevant for this is, is the best way to qualify them and for them, again, to think about it themselves. You know, I hadn't even really thought about the career trajectory here. So there's different levels that people can, can aspire to. There's promotional opportunities here? Yes. So the way that we structure our work, the answer is definitely yes. I want to put the caveat that different organizations do this very differently. Sure. Um, we have kind of a, a three-tiered approach. Um, and for our entry-level roles, again, we're looking for generally a four-year degree and some public health experience. But 
you know, there's no management experience required. You don't have to have worked in a medical or clinical setting. And then we have that mid-level investigator um, who we are who we are needing that person to have more clinical experience. And then our navigator, our supervisor would be the general term for it. That role needs to still have the public health and, and clinical background and also have management experience. They're generally overseeing a team of about 10 or 12 other uh, case investigators or contact tracers. So there's absolutely um, you know, promotional or mobility opportunities for sure. I know this is going to be a tough question to answer, but work with me here. I mean, how long do we think we're going to need these contact tracers? I know that depends upon a lot of things, but I would imagine that even if we do have a vaccine, that takes a while to get out there, and there are still people who have it and have contacted it, and you still need to deal with it. Do you have a sense for the timing for these positions? And of course, I don't have a crystal ball. Yes. Okay. I know. I know. But I, I said I was going to ask it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's fair. So, and you're right, Diane, that the day that we have a vaccine is not going to end the need for contact tracing or really, you know, end COVID as a public health crisis. Um, It's going to take a fair amount of time for the kind of population immunity to build up. So if we look at other types of epidemics as guides, um, the the vaccine is kind of the middle and not the end. Uh, I think that contact tracing specific to COVID-19 will probably be Um, an industry or service that's needed for at least a couple of years. Um, And and the question is really like at at what volume, you know, how many contact tracing opportunities are there ultimately going to be and what are those going to look like over time? Yeah. Are there a few parting thoughts, a few things that you really want people to know about contact tracing jobs? Uh, Are there myths or certain expectations that you would just want our audience to know? Yeah. Thank thank you for asking that question. I don't know if this is a myth, so to speak, but I think that, um, as I kind of alluded to, there are different types of contact tracing opportunities and companies are doing it in different ways. The biggest myth or the most frustrating myth I've seen is that really anybody can do contact tracing. Um, And that's not really true. While, again, I've mentioned how we have kind of entry-level roles and we provide a lot of training, you have to have those basic communication skills. And I think most importantly, you do have to have a desire to serve the public good. Um, it doesn't matter if you're actually working for a health department, like you are a government employee, or you're working for a company like ours who partners with health departments and other large organizations. You are still you know, in a mission-oriented role in, in responding to a health crisis, and you have to kind of have the appetite for that. Um, and ultimately, I think if you're going to thrive in this type of role in this industry, you have to really like that. That That's what drew me to this. And that's what I see in people who really, you know, succeed um, and, and really shine in, in these roles. Definitely. I think the mission part is really important. And that's something that we talk about on the podcast a lot is, you know, putting your skills to work in an institution that is important to you, in a field that is important to you, because at the end of the day, that's going to help get you over the tough days, especially in a job like this. I would imagine that there are going to be some tough days. So if you're motivated to help the community, if you have that sense of mission, that's going to get you through the tough days. Yes, that's absolutely right. And you're right, by the way, that every job has ups and downs. (laughs) That has difficult days. And, and yes, if you are really um, bought into the mission of your employer, it will be easier to kind of weather all that and remember um, why you're doing what you're doing. And I, personally, I think for a contact tracing role, the mission is clear and, and the value, I think, is 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 very obvious to anybody. It, it's something that, 
you know, gets talked about on the news on a nightly basis. Um, and so, you know, you, I, I definitely am not, of course, even doing the frontline work myself, but I take a lot of pride in knowing that, you know, AM Trace and our employees are contributing to protecting the public health. It's a good feeling. Oh, it is terrific. Well, congratulations to you and your team. I know that I have seen jobs from AM Trace for contact tracers and the different levels on Indeed.com, but are there other sources where our listeners should go to find these jobs? I would say Indeed and LinkedIn are, are probably the best job boards to look at. Um, of course, Indeed pulls from tons of different job boards, um, and there are tons of openings available, you know, hundreds if you start. We're talking November of 2020 right now. There are hundreds of openings available right now. Um, and so, yes, any any of those job boards, I think, is a good place to start. And I think you've already uh, answered one of the questions I had because I did see when you were looking for jobs, for instance, in Orange County or Los Angeles, that you wanted people from those communities. And I wondered why that was so important, even though these jobs are remote. But you sort of hit on this earlier that you want people to have a sense for your community, a sense for your surroundings in the neighborhood so that they can be more effective in their positions. Is that right? That is exactly right. And we talked about earlier, you know, overcoming maybe the initial barrier of that call when somebody's upset or it's just so much easier, I think, when you're when you're talking to somebody who's in your surroundings and, and who, um, you know, feels like they're part of your community. And, and so um, companies do it different ways. So I, I don't want to speak for every organization. You potentially could find a role working anywhere, supporting um, you know, community health efforts in, in a locale that's nowhere near you. But that's how we do it. And that's how we think it's most successful. Uh, and so, yes, that's exactly why we have those kind of geographic requirements. Well, let's hope that these efforts continue to be successful. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to Job Talk Weekly. If you like the podcast, and we hope you do, the best thing you can do is to subscribe and forward it to your friends. We'd love to hear what you think. So please rate and review us or send us a quick email to info at jobtalkweekly.com. See you next time.